is because if we think about how Instagram algorithm works, basically in the first few moments that a post is live, that engagement, that early engagement, that it's, it's getting shown to a certain segment of your existing following. If it's a reel, it'll get shown to a, a, a broader audience that isn't following you as well. And depending on what actions those viewers are taking, Instagram will decide to then show your content to a wider pool. And so your first challenge out of the gate, let's say for a carousel, is to really speak to your existing community. And so what's the best way to kind of revitalize an account that's been around for a while? It's Welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Desiree Martins. Every week, I'm going to be showing up in your earbuds to inspire you on your YouTube journey with killer interviews with women YouTube creators, deep dives into the inner workings of how YouTube works, and discussing all the things about YouTube culture and the impact it is having on our world. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with VidIQ, where they help you maximize your videos to YouTube reach by studying titles, descriptions, tags, and playlists relevant to your subject matter, while also studying your competitors to help you know exactly what you should be doing for your YouTube growth. So if you're a female creator looking to grow your channel, level up your content, and learn from the best women creators on the platform to get you on your way to YouTube success and future-proofing your income, this is the perfect place for you. Let's do this. Welcome to the podcast, Car. I'm so excited to talk about you and your Instagram creator journey. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, to talk about me. <laughs> I know. We get, we get in these little traps sometimes, like we're doing all this education and we're like, oh yeah, we're people too that have goals and objectives and a story. So that's what this is about. So I hope you're ready to talk about yourself a whole bunch. Yes, I'm ready. All right. So Car, why video? Video is just the best way to show up as myself and not feel like I have to stick to something static and doesn't fully tell the story of my experiences. So what is it that you create on the internet with video? I am a social media strategist with uh, expertise primarily on Instagram, verging into TikTok now, but I basically teach women entrepreneurs and small business owners, as well as coaches, how to use Instagram as an effective tool to not just grow their following, I do that very well, but also to grow their business. Okay, so if you were to start your Instagram today, what would be your three strategies? That's so funny because I was actually thinking about that last night. I was like, is it time to create a new account just for the heck of it to see what I would do? Because, you know, some people are starting to say, oh, it's hard to grow organically on Instagram or it's not possible. And it is possible. It's just a different game. So what I would do if I was starting from zero is I would come up with three I would keep it to three stories that I was going to tell over and over again. And I would also make sure that I was doing an even balance of reels and carousel posts, leveraging a lot of the new features that Instagram has rolled out recently, like adding music into my static images and using all of the features like the notes app in or the notes feature in the DMs. I would start doing broadcast channels if I had the feature, which right now I don't. And the third thing that I would do 
is really focus on Instagram lives as a way to show up for my audience, build community and rapport and show them that I'm there for them so that they can come back, trust me and realize that this is a place for them to be. I absolutely love that. So what is it that like led you to this Instagram social media expert journey? Like how did this happen to you? Why are you doing it? All the things. Wow. Well, it was honestly like a total gong show that led me here. So long story short, 2020, two weeks before New York City shut down, I was nine months pregnant and I got laid off from my job as head of social and partnerships at a startup in Brooklyn. And I was like so depressed. I had been bullied in a previous role at an ad agency and I was honestly just done with working for people, working for men. Um, and so I had my daughter the day New York City shut down and I took 10 months. Yeah, that was crazy. I took 10 months and sort of thought about what it was that I wanted to do, what kind of legacy I wanted and really focus in on what made me happy and excited and what stimulated my brain. And I kind of started discovering that all these coaches and um, social media gurus were using video it, reels had just launched. And so I was watching them and I was like, wait a minute, like I've got so much experience building campaigns for some of the biggest brands in the world, like Instagram itself, Facebook, Google, Apple. I've got all this crazy startup experience and I love creating content. So I'm going to start creating reels and see what happens with it. And Little did I know that 30 days in, I would have over 10,000 followers. Oh my goodness. That's insane. Well, okay. I mean, we had the follow question has to be, how did you do that? <laughs> honestly, it's like through a mix of what I spoke about if I were starting from scratch again, but honestly, just by showing up consistently, meaning I was posting five days a week in the beginning to make sure that I was getting that algorithm trained, ready to anticipate my content. And I was, you know, this is early or late 2020. So I was spending quite a lot of time in the app, actually building up community and relationships with other women, other creators, uh, and studying as much as I could about the platform and experimenting with content going live all the time. And I wasn't shy to promote my services and talk about my expertise and what brought me to this kind of content creator stage, I would say. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like that's just such great advice. Like it's so like I too am a social media uh, professional and I've been doing it for 14 years. Um, mm. I got, I always say like I created a job before it existed. Uh, yeah. I like needed work. Cause I was like a, I was one of those recession grads and like we had no job waiting for me. Uh, so it's like, what's this Facebook thing? Let me teach you. And so it's so like, I've seen so many strategies and changes and platforms. Like I remember when Instagram came out and it was just like this whole, like, and you couldn't get on Android. Like, I don't know why anyone would do that. Oh, but yeah. those things, it's like, it's come so long. And so like when people have like these like new takes on it and how they're able to do it, it kind of makes me wonder sometimes, like, should you just like delete it and start over like brand spanking new? Like, is there some like, like reason or rhyme to that? Like, how do people that have been on Instagram for so long, like how can we stay relevant Yeah, when there's a new way of doing it? 
So interesting question, because I think that there's a bit of a common misconception that if your account, you've had it for a long time, that your reach gets suppressed or you don't get shown to new accounts. But I think what actually ends up happening is that your audience kind of gets used to your content. And as somebody that, you know, for myself, I'm so good at coming up with strategy for other people and, you know, constantly evaluating trends and things that are happening in the app that actually move the needle. But when it comes to my own Instagram, I find I get stuck doing the same things. And so something that I've noticed over time, especially in the last two years, is that audience are fatiguing. They're not interested in the same things that they used to. They're constantly looking for new ways to be entertained. And if you can think about taking a look at your own account as an outsider looking in and do like an audit of sorts, I would encourage you to actually think about creating totally new content, focusing on brand new topics that perhaps you haven't approached or, or approach them with a different angle than what you've traditionally been doing. That is the formula in my mind to creating uh, new content that attracts new users. Because if we think about how Instagram algorithm works, basically in the first few moments that a post is live, that engagement, that early engagement, that it's, it's getting shown to a certain segment of your existing following. If it's a reel, it'll get shown to a, an, a broader audience that isn't following you as well. And depending on what actions those viewers are taking, Instagram will decide to then show your content to a wider pool. And so your first challenge out of the gate, let's say for a carousel, is to really speak to your existing community. And so what's the best way to kind of revitalize an account that's been around for a while? It's through experimenting with new content types. And it's a lot more difficult than, than I, I can say, right? Like it's so easy to say, oh, just experiment. It actually takes time. But um, one of the things that I think people do wrong is that they give up. So I recommend doing something at least six weeks. So if you've got a new series or a new topic or a new way of doing something, even if it's like, I'm going to start doing green screen and doing my take on trends, do that for six weeks before you say, oh, it's not working. Wow. That's really good. And what are we looking for in our analytics to know if this is right or wrong? I think the first thing to look at is reach. A lot of people get that wrong, right? You're looking, the first thing we do, we open analytics every single morning is followers. Doesn't matter if you're not communicating or resonating with your existing community, like the rest, you can forget it. And so reach is such a great measure because it shows you how many unique people actually saw your content. And then you can start deducing from there. So look at your reach and then don't focus so much on likes. Likes are kind of the old way of measuring success on Instagram. Of course, the first thing we do is look at likes, but go and look instead at your saves Go and look at the shares, go and look at your watch time and start making adjustments based off of the content that's getting the most saves, the content that's getting the most comments. For me, if you go to my page, you'll see some of my reels, they'll get 4,000 plays, 3,000 plays. For someone with 57,000 followers, that might kind of hurt when I first look at it. But those reels with the lower views are the ones that bring me in clients and make me sell out my business. Look, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but did you know that YouTube is the world's second biggest search engine? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but that's why every creator 
truly needs to be using vidIQ to grow their YouTube channel. vidIQ's tech helps you tailor your video ideas to match what people are searching for right now on YouTube. And once you're ready to upload, well, it starts optimizing and getting you all the details that you need to make sure your videos are getting noticed. If you really want to dive in more and get started for free, please head over to the womenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ to get started on this YouTube channel changing tool that is going to make things so much easier for you. All right, let's get back to it. Okay. So now that you have transitioned us all on your loan some, okay, <laughs> talking about the business part, how are you able to use Instagram reels to convert sales and business? Yeah, it's been so fascinating. Uh, I think so I've been on Instagram now. This is my third year doing it as a social media consultant or strategist. And in the beginning, I would constantly talk about my offers in my stories and um, create end cards on my carousels, just kind of pointing people to specific services. I still do that today, but I find that I'm letting my reels and my video content tell the actual story and let me show up as the expert or as the authority. And so what I mean by that is I'll create a reel that says, um, today I met with a client in uh, the pageant industry, for example, and these are the things that we came up with for her, or these are the pain points that we solved for. So I'm giving people a real kind of glimpse into what it's like to work with me. And I'm not hesitant to show things that I've been booked to do or paid partnerships that have come my way. And everything that comes to me is organic. I don't do any ads. I don't do any um outreach for brands or anything like that. And what I'm finding is that people are referencing things that I talk about directly either in my captions or in my videos uh, where I tell these stories or explain what's going on in my kind of creator CEO life. I love that you're bringing like sharing the behind the curtain of what's going on in your business so that people kind of know that like you're not just doing this for fluff or for show. It's like, no, this is me working. This is me doing that. And, and that I think is important to share. And it, I mean, it gives me ideas for myself, of course, because I have these same calls where I'm like, what do you want? Here are my yeah. ideas. Let me, we get so excited. Like, oh, I have ideas and you got to share them and stuff. Um, so I think that that's, that's a fantastic uh, way to go about it to like proof, like essentially proof of concept within the vertical videos. Cause that's so, what so many people want when you're, bringing on customers, like what do you find is their biggest struggle that makes them sign up with you? I know for me, like from my experience, just like, you know, Gavin and Sharon, for me, it's, they just don't want to do it. Like (laughs) they're like, I know I need to do this. I don't want to do this. Like this is really time consuming or this is something I know I need to do, but I don't want to like be in charge of this or do that. I don't have it. So like, I just want you to do it for me. Like that, those are, those are my perfect customers. Like what do you find as someone who's getting, because I get a lot of my clients like speaking, doing Google searches because they're trying to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that they're coming, like what are their biggest problems on your end? I would say there's a few things. So one is somebody that wants to build a personal brand, whether it be like a new venture or they want to become a influencer uh, or a public personality, they will come to me so that they can just quickly get to results and skip all the trial and error. Uh, The other person is a coach. I work with a lot of coaches who really want to show up as that authority who don't know what type of content to create to sell their offers and they want to attract new clients. 
And the third person is a woman who has used Instagram for years. I mean, to be honest, most of us have at this point, we kind of like graduated after college with Instagram, right? Or even before that. And so they know how to use it in theory, but they don't know how to set it up to hit their business goals. And so I'll come in and help them with that. And I love that, like I said, it's so interesting what people are going through that brings yeah. them to us and like what their pains and struggles are and proving that your, your expertise and then like being there when they need you, like showing up at the right time is just so, it's just so kismic. Like it's all we really want, right? Yeah. Okay. So you are doing, living your best life as a content creator and strategist for other people and other businesses and stuff. How has what you're doing since like, you know, the, the COVID life and all that, how has it changed your life? Like what is it that you have been able to do since then? Yeah, it's been wild, Desiree. Like yesterday I was actually drafting a reel that had the hook. This is what success in air quotes looks for me, looks like for me three years in. And it was really crazy to think because my husband used to be the the main breadwinner. Uh, he has a Google background. And when my business started taking off, he was actually able to become a full stay, a full-time stay-at-home dad. So that I would say is like the biggest thing. The second thing is, you know, if we want to talk money, it's like making exponentially more than I ever made working in corporate or for startups. So that is like huge as a woman, as a Latina, as someone that got laid off pregnant, you know, I'm like, hell yes, I'm doing it. Like, here you go, I can do it. And the other thing is that it just affords me so much time to live the life that I want, meaning I get to prioritize my family, my two kids, we live and work from wherever we want. We've lived in over three countries now in the last three years. And it's just like, that's the world that I wanted and essentially manifested for myself through a lot of hard work. Now, because when you said this, this right, like you were in New York, you're in Mexico City now, right? Yes. What led you there? So I'm half Mexican. My mom is Mexican. And we had spent about six weeks here in 2021 with our one-year-old at the time. And so we just, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I felt a pull to come here. And I just, we love this city. It's essentially, we describe it as the, the Spanish-speaking New York City. And we've got family here, which makes a huge difference when you've got two kids under three. Mm-hmm. And it's just, Mexico, I think, is such a an interesting opportunity. There's so much culture. And I also want to figure out a way to give back to to the Mexican heritage that that is mine. What are you seeing as a social media strategist and, and business owner? What are you seeing as the future for the Hispanic and Spanish speaking uh, population from the creator, from the social media, from the influencer front? Yeah, I'm starting to see that we are showing up proudly and describing ourselves as Latinas or saying, you know, I'm Mexican. Um, There's I think there used to be there still might be some kind of shame associated with that, especially if you're not white passing. Um, There's a lot of racism that still exists. And so I think 
in the creator space, what we're starting to see is a lot of people are actually embracing the fact that they're bilingual and even adding captions that are English and Spanish, um, embracing that whole identity that is so much more than just speaking Spanish or, you know, where you come from, because it is such a, a melting pot, for lack of a better word, being a Latina is is such a colorful thing. And I think we're starting to see a lot more representation. We're starting to see brands waking up to the power of Latina creators and how much money we command, as well as the spending power of our, our heritage. I could see a lot of brands wanting to expand down into Mexico, Puerto Rico and, and South America because of that reach. It's like the catching up of the culture, the technology and the use of it. Because so many things start in America right? and then they expand out. Mm -hmm. And so being able to expand on there. I know that there's a lot of creators. I mean, even like from a YouTube perspective, there's a lot of creators who are creating their content in other languages, even if like they can't speak that language. Like I'm taking my channel, I'm creating a Spanish version of it or even other languages like Russian, Chinese, um, Middle Eastern, India, all that stuff, like all of these different languages and to expand their reach and expand their knowledge so they can help other people because it's such an untapped market. I know exactly. I was looking into that until we realized at the, the company I was working with was like, Hey, like YouTube is about to like launch dubbing and closed captions into the language. So you only have to have one channel so that you can have that reach and stuff. Like it's such a untapped or just like beginning to be tapped into location for all these brands, all these creators and stuff. And they really need to, mm -hmm. I think, wake up and build a strategy around it. And I think having creators like you who can bridge that gap have to be, it has to be a great opportunity for you. Yeah. And I'm starting to see that actually. So I can't name anything right now, but there are projects in the works that are specifically for me because I am Latina and that's really exciting. I love, I love that that's happening for you. Of course, I think that you just, you feel that like you deserve it. You should get it because you're, you're being there and you're bridging the gap and doing all that stuff. So sorry to interrupt our episode. I know we're getting really into it, but are you looking for a powerful, easy to use tool that can help you take your video to the next level? If so, I've got just the tool for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one solution for all of your content creation needs. With Adobe Express, you can easily create stunning videos, design eye-catching thumbnails, clip and trim your videos with ease, and schedule your content for social media. One of the standout features of Adobe Express is the range of thumbnail templates that are available. With dozens of customizable templates to choose from, you can create thumbnails that are both visually appealing, informative, and help your videos stand out on that crowded home feed of YouTube. And when it comes to video clipping, it makes it so much easier to repurpose your content from those long form videos to all of the other vertical video platforms. And you can easily share them with the scheduling tool within Adobe Express. So if you're ready to take your content creation to the next level, head over to Adobe Express and start your free trial today. You can find the link to get signed up for today over in our show notes at womenofvideo.com. And remember, Adobe Express is the perfect tool for taking your content to the next episode. All right, back to the episode. I always feel so bad. I get message and contacted on a regular basis about doing things in Spanish or in Spanish. Like I was asked to speak at like a conference in Colombia. Oh. I'm like, don't speak Spanish. Oh. I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> yeah. my name 
my name is misleading. I married into a Hispanic family. And oh, so like, I, don't okay. have, I don't have that bridge. And so it's one Time of those to learn Spanish, Desiree. <laughs> I, I could really amplify, I think, my earning potential if I could, like, <laughs> get on board. <laughs> that is for sure. And my, my husband also does not speak um, uh, Spanish. Uh, they weren't allowed to. His dad didn't right. want them to speak Spanish when they had come yeah. to the States just because of, I think, the cultural issues in the 80s around it. Yeah. And so it was just one of those things. So my, my husband's very resentful of the fact that he doesn't know Spanish. Oh. Like, that would have been so helpful because I could, like, talk to my family and my grandparents and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, it's just one of those things that – but it is it's definitely a fantastic – growth opportunity for sure. So I would love to know, I would love to do a little like hot seat, ask some questions just so we can always know how people are doing things. So what is it that you use to create your content? Like what device? Honestly, my iPhone and I just got this new tripod. I don't even know the name of it. I'm like linking it in my Instagram, but it's the Ecos, E-U-C-O-S. It's incredible. And I just got the King Ma ring light. That's it, girl. Super basic. And I think that that's important. Like people can create such great things with just the simplest of phones and, and things like the iPhone and like the Pixel, like the Pixel series, like they are designed for like absolutely. If so many great settings, like I love like the portrait feature, like everything gets all blurry and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's nice. Makes me, it was like cover, like they do a little filter to smoothen things out. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite female creator right now? Oh man. I, I really am enjoying Sophia Morosa's content. I feel like she's just gotten back into um, or, or started posting seriously on Instagram and doing reels. And she's just so interesting to watch because She's one of the people I think that is like really herself when she's on video, which is difficult to do. Yes. Well, and like she's from the before times, right? Like the early yeah. days of things and had the bad rep. She had the the Netflix series that she hated, how they like interpret her around it. Her book was phenomenal. Like it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, that's a big creator, right? But that's the first one that came to mind. Um, and, and then I, I love... I love Patrice Poulter. She's a friend of mine. She is a, a video strategist and she just is so good at telling stories and making you just watch. Um, another great creator I think is Shannon Matson. She is a business coach, but same thing. She'll take like what you might perceive as mundane, but you will watch that whole thing and leave like feeling like you just took a masterclass. Mm -hmm. that's so cool like i'm so happy to share that you that with us what is your next goal that you're looking to like crush so right now i have too much work um, in terms of like being booked out and busy like that's happening i need to kind of tone that down and so i'm actually focusing a lot on the so-called boring stuff of the business thinking about how am i going to scale this next year um, so that I'm doing everything that I'm still doing, like in terms of projects, I love the projects I'm working on, but how can I use my email list so that I can make social media a little bit more optional and just kind of convert people into either evergreen offers or um, coaching containers with me. I love it. What was a situation that happened to you that made you almost like give up on this whole creator business thing? Oh, uh, I would say it was right around exactly a year ago. I had my second, I had a baby boy 
And I think I had a bit of postpartum depression and my anxiety was like through the roof. I didn't want to show up on video around the same time. There was a lot, I feel like an influx of kind of Instagram coaches and every single person under the sun was calling themselves a strategist. And I was like, I cannot keep up with these people. And the fact that they are like single, they're like 20 years old, they have insane edits and crazy transitions and their stuff is blowing up constantly and they're just exciting. And I was just like, I can't do this. And around the same time, I was experiencing a bit of a fallout with uh, a couple of creators that I had become friends with, that I trusted, that I had like sent projects to and paid sponsored posts to, and I'd really helped them grow their following and their audiences. And they all, as soon as I had my baby, just kind of like phased me out of their crew. And that was really difficult. I thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I was trying to talk about that. There have been so many times I'm like, I'm going to go get a job. This is awful. I don't want to do this anymore. So it's important to share these things. So thank you for that. Cara, where can we all follow you and continue to learn from you? Yeah, I mean, Instagram. I'm just starting to think about YouTube, super late to the game. Uh, TikTok, I'm Carb Rulehar everywhere. And I also have a free community where I share tips and tutorials and hooks and caption prompts uh, on circle. I love it. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us your insights and your helpful tips to help us on our creator journey and what you've been through. Remember you and everyone listening are possibly amazing until next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. 